Welcome to this episode of the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. The mission of the Greenville Oaks Church is to inspire people to follow Jesus, because we're convinced that following Jesus is the best way of life possible. Find out more about Greenville Oaks at greenvilleoaks.org and connect with us on social media. We would love it if you could rate and review our podcast. It makes it easier for others to find us. And now, on to this week's message with Lead Minister Wade Hodges. Hello, it's good to see everyone gathered here today. It's also good for us here to know that we're being seen by all of our friends who are watching online, and we're glad that we can all be together in this way. If you have your Bibles, please turn to 1 Peter chapter 5, and I will begin reading in verse 1. Peter says, To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. And in the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to the elders. And all of you, all of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. This seems like an appropriate passage to read as we kick off our elder shepherd selection process as it helps focus our thoughts on the nature of Christian leadership, especially how Christian leadership is different from all other forms of leadership. I hope today as you hear me talk about Christian leadership What you hear me say will apply not just to those among us who are known as elders or shepherds of our congregation, but to all of us who are or who aspire to be in any form of Christian leadership. That could include leading a group or teaching a class or coordinating a ministry or volunteering in children's ministry or student ministry or even simply mentoring another Christian. One leadership guru has famously said, all leadership really is is influence. If you have influence over any other person, then you are a leader. You may be a leader of one. You may be a leader of some. You may be a leader of many. All of us have the opportunity as followers of Christ to exercise some influence over someone else, which means we all are called on some level to be leaders. And so I hope that what you hear me say today, you will be able to apply it to your own leadership journey. Now, having said that, it is clear in the passage that we just read that Peter is talking to some specific people in the congregations that he's writing to, these house churches. And he uses two terms to address them, two different terms. They're related and really they're equal and the same, but just different ways of saying it. The first term, addresses the elders. 
Elders means those who are older. That's the literal meaning. The elders are the older ones, but it's also those who are given the task and the responsibility of overseeing the life of a congregation. And the connection between age and authority, the connection between age and authority was much stronger in the ancient world than it is today. So that the olders are qualified to be the elders because of their wisdom and experience and because they have been walking the path longer than the youngers have. And so it makes sense that Peter could call the youngers to honor and respect and submit to the elders. Now, keep in mind, though, that in the Roman Empire, the average life expectancy was 25. And if you made it all the way to 50, you were considered old. So it's relative, culture by culture. Now, that's the first term. Second term he uses is shepherds. Shepherds, that was a common designation for leaders in the Judeo-Christian story. The Lord is called shepherd in Psalm 23. David, the writer of Psalm 23, greatest king in Israel, was before he was a king, he was a shepherd. Jesus, in the Gospel of John, describes himself as the good shepherd. Peter, in the passage we read, describes Jesus as the chief shepherd. Peter describes himself as a shepherd. And shepherds have a primary responsibility— and that is to oversee a flock. And that includes feeding it, protecting it from harm or danger, as well as going out and rounding up the lost or stray sheep who wander away from the fold. And one of the challenges we face when we read a passage like this and others like it that talk about shepherding in the scriptures, as modern suburban Christians, is that we are far removed from the everyday world of shepherding. Everything I know about shepherding, I learned not on the farm, not in the field, not in the pasture. I learned from reading my Bible and from listening to sermons about shepherds in church when a church is kicking off an elder selection process. So I was fascinated when several years ago I stumbled on an online article in Modern Farmer magazine on the Modern Farmer website. That's right, Modern Farmers have their very own website. And this article was written by a modern-day shepherd who was sharing the lessons he had learned from taking care of his lambs. Now, this is not written from a Christian or spiritual perspective. This guy is a real-life shepherd who is taking care of a real flock of lambs. And he says, these are the lessons I've learned from my lifetime of being a shepherd. And I read this article online and I couldn't help but think like a preacher and think, I wonder if I could fit that in a sermon someday. Surely some of what he shares in this article will apply to Christian leadership. And it does. In fact, it's, it's easy to apply. For example, the first lesson he shares is that a shepherd's life is most humble. And he talks about in the article how in the ancient world, being a shepherd was one of the lowliest tasks that anyone could be asked or forced to perform. It's still true in a number of places around the world today. 
In fact, modern-day shepherds, he says, don't like to be called shepherds because of the low association. They would rather be called ranchers or flock owners. Shepherd for those who really live in the shepherding world, it's not an honorific title. Someone who's called shepherd is given a humble task to perform and would be seen just a little above a household slave in the ancient world. In verse 5, after Peter tells the youngers to submit to the elders, he says to everyone, everyone, to the elders and the youngers, to the shepherds and the sheep, to the leaders and the followers, he says, all of you clothe yourselves in humility toward one another. Everybody is to be humble toward one another in the Christian community. There's no looking down on one another in the Christian community. We're all clothed in humility. And the word he uses for clothe is a form of the word used to describe in the original language the apron of a household slave. And it also brings to mind Jesus wrapping a towel around his waist just before he washes his disciples' feet. In the Christian community, both leaders and followers are clothed in humility. And this is Christianity's, one of its most unique contributions to the philosophy of leadership. Because in the ancient Greco-Roman world, humility was not a virtue. It's become a virtue in our world because of Christianity. In the ancient world, humility was not a virtue. It was a liability. It was a sign of shame or weakness. One did not, one did not receive credit for being humble. And it's only after the example of Christ and the Christian community that humility is held up and showcased as an essential characteristic of leadership. Servant leadership, it's almost cliche now in modern leadership literature, servant leadership. 2,000 years ago, when Jesus taught his followers to lead by assuming the posture and the position of a humble slave or servant, it was revolutionary. It changed the shape of leadership in the Western world forever. So to be a shepherd is to be called to a humble servant's task, not a position of power, a position of service. Second lesson, he says, you know what? Sheep are smarter than you think they are. And he has to say this because people in the non-shepherding or the non-sheep world stereotypically describe sheep as the dumbest animals in the world. And how do we know they're the dumbest animals in the world? Well, because they have to have a shepherd in order to survive. But this guy in this article, he says, any true shepherd would tell you they know the truth about sheep and they are smarter than you think they are. The shepherd learns something from his sheep. It's also true in the Christian community. The shepherd and the sheep are always learning from one another. The leader and the follower are both clothed in humility. We don't look down on each other or anyone else. Years ago, David Ray, one of my professors in college and one of the best shepherds I've ever known, he said in class, 
One day he said, one of my core beliefs is that everyone I meet is my teacher. He said he believed that every person he encountered had something to teach him, and so he approached every interaction, every relationship, every encounter as a learner, not just a teacher. David Ray is six feet, foot nine inches tall. He never looks down on anyone because he believes everyone is his teacher. One of the lessons I've learned from being a preacher over the years is that I learn far more from the churches I work with about how to live the Christian life than I ever teach. My expectation is I'm going to learn far more about following Jesus from you than you are ever going to learn from me. Sheep are smarter than you think they are. Third, he says, tend the flock but care for the individual. What is a flock? A flock is a collective of individual sheep with different strengths and weaknesses and personalities and needs. And it's easy to lose sight of the individual sheep when tending the flock. And he says in the article that the more you take care of the individual sheep, especially those who are in trouble, the healthier the flock is overall. Jesus said in Luke 15, a good shepherd goes after that one lost sheep because every sheep matters. The flock is not complete as long as there's one sheep missing. So take care of the flock, but also tend the individuals. Take care of the individual. Number four, he says the joy of birth never gets old, and sometimes it's not easy. And watching a new birth in the Christian community, witnessing a baptism, it never gets old never gets old, but then walking alongside a new believer as they leave behind their old way of life and lean into their new identity in Christ, which means breaking sinful habits and letting go of destructive patterns of behavior, that can be one of the hardest and sometimes most heartbreaking aspects of Christian leadership. Oh, it's great to see new life, but it's not always easy. And then he says, cute doesn't last forever. That's number five. That's self-explanatory. And if it's not, just go watch season one of Stranger Things and compare the child actors from season one with the so-called child actors of season four. They're not cute anymore. Number six, nothing is more picturesque and serene than sheep grazing on a beautiful hillside. There is an ideal vision of what a flock is and what the relationship between a shepherd and the sheep and what life with that flock is supposed to be. There's this idyllic moment that is glorious. And in the same way, there are these moments in a congregation, sometimes worship gathering like this or in a prayer huddle or when there's a private act of forgiveness and reconciliation between two people who have been at odds, there are these moments that shepherds get to witness that are absolutely glorious. It's the ideal of what church is supposed to be like, what Christianity can be like, and it's what makes saying yes to the role of shepherd or coordinating a group or leading a ministry worth it. You get these glimpses what it's really supposed to be like. Number seven, he says a, a good dog is more than just a great friend. Now, admittedly, at first, I wasn't sure how I was going to apply this. 
But then I read what he said about his dog. And he described his relationship with his dog as a partnership. He says, I could not do my job without my dog. My dog performs essential shepherding responsibilities and tasks. And I thought, oh yeah, of course, I know, of course. Shepherding is a team sport. Christian leadership is a team sport. No one person is equipped to lead or guide or help all different kinds of peoples and personalities. No one person can be all things to all people. We need a team of shepherds. It's the wisdom of having a plurality or a team of elders leading and overseeing a congregation. They not only share the responsibility and the load, but they also make up for each other's weaknesses and blind spots. It's a team sport. Lesson number eight, he says that death on a farm is inevitable. Death on a farm is inevitable. Sometimes shepherds lead their sheep through the valley of the shadow of death. There's no going around it. You have to go through it. And Christian leadership involves walking alongside others in some of the darkest, most difficult moments of their lives. And I must admit, this is the part of Christian leadership I struggle with the most. It is not easy for me to sit with others in their pain or to be a source of comfort when they're suffering. I have to work at it, and I never feel like I'm measuring up. But again, that's another reason I'm glad I serve on a team where there are others who are better at this than I am. Once again, leadership, shepherding, it's a team sport. So those are his first eight lessons. It's pretty good stuff, isn't it? Pretty much preaches on its own, doesn't it? Lesson nine. Happy lambs are tastier lambs. Wait, what? Hold on, it gets worse. Nothing makes a party like a whole lamb on a spit. My sermon just fell apart. (laughs) Oh, what? This guy's a modern-day shepherd, and he owns a business. And his singular purpose for running that business and raising and feeding and taking care of these little lambs is to sell them to restaurants and caterers for a profit. But even these last two lessons illustrate the unique nature of Christian leadership. Because it's different. Christian shepherds are different. This is how Jesus describes himself as a shepherd in John 10, 11. He said, I am the good shepherd. You may know some bad shepherds. You may know some shepherds that raise tasty lambs, but I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And then Peter, back in 1 Peter chapter 2, he talks about the good shepherd who lays down his life and the impact and the function of that death on a cross. Saying in verse 25, he said, For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Peter says it is the good shepherd's act of laying down his life for the sheep 
that draws the wayward sheep back into the fold. It's the chief shepherd's sacrifice that calls the sheep home. And he holds up this example of the chief shepherd laying down his life as an example for those he calls elders and shepherds in a church, that they are to follow the chief shepherd's example. Not shepherding out of selfish interests or a hope for personal gain. They're to set aside their ego and to follow Jesus' example. Humble, sacrificial service for the flock. One of the details in this passage in 1 Peter 5 that I find striking is how much time Peter spends talking to the elders and the shepherds. He spends several verses talking to the leaders, and then he devotes only a few words to the youngers. He says, yeah, and submit to your elders. But he spends far more time talking to the leaders of the congregation than he does the followers in the congregation. And sure, there's always the possibility that a rebellious younger will refuse to submit to an elder. But Peter seems to think that if the elders are focused on their task of shepherding in the way of Christ, laying down their lives in humility for the sheep in the way of Christ, Peter seems to think if shepherds are leading that way with humble service, submission isn't going to be much of a problem. Submission's not going to be much of a problem for the sheep who will follow the good, the sacrificial, the laying down my life for your sake, shepherd. So one of the fundamental challenges of Christian leadership, whether you call yourself an elder or a shepherd or you just have some influence over a small group of people or one other person, one of the fundamental challenges of Christian leadership is not convincing or cajoling or guilt-tripping our sheep to follow us. It is focusing on becoming more like Jesus so that we as leaders are more followable. The New Testament has very little to say about leadership. Jesus did not spend a lot of time in his ministry talking about how to be a better leader. He didn't put on very many leadership seminars. But he did spend some time talking about how to be a follower. Which it turns out is the secret to good Christian leadership. The mark of a good Christian leader is how well do you follow Because the leaders who are most followable and the shepherds who are most trustworthy are those who are following the chief shepherd most faithfully. So may we as leaders, as people of influence, may we draw near to our chief shepherd. And may we learn from his example of humility as we set an example for those who are following us. Let's close by standing and reading out loud together the Lord's Prayer. 
Let's read it as we have the last several. Let's read this with boldness. Let's read this with passion, believing that we have a good Father in heaven and we also have a good shepherd who is seeing after our needs and taking care of us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Go in peace. Have a great week. Thank you so much for listening to the message from the Greenville Oaks message broadcast. We hope this message enriched your life and can help you inspire others to follow Jesus. Because we honestly believe following Him is the best way of life possible. Be sure to connect with us online on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube.